Hi, and welcome to the Cancer from A to Z podcast, where we discuss the issues and topics related to a diagnosis of cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell. These podcast episodes are intended for informational and educational purposes only and are not a substitute for medical treatment by a healthcare professional. They do not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. Please consult your doctor or other health professional with any questions you have regarding any medical conditions. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Cancer from A to Z. Today, I have a special guest on the show, my mentor, Dr. Richard Janelle. He's a radiation oncologist who trained me in residency, and he's been practicing radiation oncology since 1991 after graduating from the University of Cincinnati Medical School as well as University of Cincinnati Residency Program. He has written numerous articles that have been published in well-respected journals, and he has been an invited lecturer for years. His most recent talk was given on brachytherapy for extraocular melanoma, and he has been an academic physician and is actually currently an academic physician and has received several teaching awards for Outstanding Teacher of the Year. And I have to say he was fabulous when he was teaching me. He was a colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve, and he's just one of the most nicest people that you could ever meet. I'm very excited to have him on the show. We get into some details about what it means for us in terms of being able to connect with our patients. And and I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So let's get right to it. Dr. Janelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm fine, Dr. Morell. It's so nice to see you again. (laughs) I know. Nice to see you too, even though my camera's not on. So, but that's okay. (laughs) I can see you. I can see you. Well, I, again, I am so excited that you decided to come on the show and I really wanted to get a chance to chit chat with you because I wanted to talk to another radiation oncologist. And since you are one of the best and (laughs) you were my uh, attending physician, so you helped train me, I thought that you would be perfect to come on the show. But one of one of the things that I realized, I think after I asked you, was that I don't really know your background. I don't even know your story in terms of, you know, how you decided to even become a doctor and when and why radiation oncology. So I think I will start right there. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. And it's, it's not what anybody would normally expect, you know, deciding for medical school, you know, that, that was pretty straightforward. But that was in an era when you decided pretty early. But it, that was also, you know, the transition to medical school, you come in. And, you know, it's this whole wonder, and you have no idea, you know, where you're going, or what you're going to do. And so, you know, it's funny, because I go through medical school, and I get to the other side. And I interview in all these pediatric programs. <clears throat> <laughs> and then I match in internal medicine after I decided not to do pediatrics and ultimately end <laughs> okay. up as a radiation oncologist. Wow. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a wild ride. Um, mm, it kind of is. I'm, so <laughs> you wanted to do peds? I mean, I, I, I like the children very, very much uh, and ended up doing a lot of pediatric radiation oncology. The, the issue, I guess, was more, I decided to take something that was a little more general because when I was in medical school, I was thinking a lot about emergency medicine. 
because right. University of Cincinnati, which is where I, I went to medical school, had one of the first ER residencies. But I was looking at it, it's like, but if you do an ER residency, the only thing you can do is emergency medicine. Right. So I was thinking, okay, well, at least in that era, you could still do ER and things. So I chose internal medicine mostly to keep my options open. Mm -hmm. And then to paraphrase W.C. Fields, mm -hmm. uh, who, who uh, a long time ago, I'm, most people probably have no recollection, but I'm going to paraphrase it, said, you know, it was a woman who led me to radiation oncology and I never even had the common decency to thank her. <laughs> so I was, in my, I was in my second year of internal medicine residency and I was absolutely miserable. Mm. And I thought I was miserable because of my job. Well, no, I was miserable because of the relationship I was in. But that transitioned me to radiation oncology, and that relationship went away, and suddenly everything's happy again. So, mm. and the original W.C. Fields quote was, it was a woman who led me to drink, and I never even had the common decency to thank her. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that before. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's old. But... It's classic. It's old like me. Older than me, actually. <laughs> You are just a little bit older than me, so. <laughs> um, I'm quite I, a bit older than you, but thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm, so why not medical oncology? What was it about radiation oncology that kind of, you know, piqued your interest, and why did you go so that my, way? My undergraduate degree was in physical chemistry, and so you know, I had a natural bent more toward the, the physics part of it. And, and always had a fascination with radiation and physics. So it pulled me in that direction. One also has to understand that at this time, radiation oncology was not a competitive specialty. If you spoke English, you got a radiation oncology residency. It was not competitive, not at all. And mm. we're kind of going through that cycle right now where we're now off our hyper-competitive edge and we're, we're down more scrapping for trainees and things. So we right. come full cycle in that. I used yeah. to tell people I would never get an interview, much less a residency slot. But, you know, it comes around. Right, right. Yeah, it's definitely come full circle because I think when, was it about right around the time that I was going through, it was starting to get more competitive. And then even more so after that, and it was really difficult to get into radiation oncology. And now, you know, like you're, you, just like you said, there have been some empty spots in terms of physicians uh, matching or wanting to go into radiation oncology. So some residency programs are having trouble getting people into their programs. But I mean, it's such a cool field. It's, you know, so rewarding. But it's so interesting in the sense that, I mean, do you feel as though with radiation oncology, it's kind of still an unknown part of medicine when it comes to patients knowing about it or understanding it? Very much so. The funny thing about radiation oncology is in medicine, we are the only general oncologists. Mm -hmm. We are trained and certified in all the adult uh, cancer diagnoses. We are trained and certified to manage children. We are trained and certified to manage GYN oncology. We're the only uniting group in all of it with a, a really broad background. So it's really funny that we're kind of relegated to the shadows and most people you know, don't know much about us. But I think part of that's because we're a very small specialty and a relatively quiet one too. You know, we used to be part of, I guess, radiology. Do you get confused? with radiologists all the time, because I do. 
<laughs> I got a good story about that. <laughs> I was talking to somebody and they said, well, I'm a radiation oncologist. And they said, oh, you specialize in being on call? It's like, God, no. <laughs> yeah. no. But yes, I do get, I do get, uh, I do get confused. And it's like, well, I'm really sorry, but I can't read an x-ray if my life depended on it. Yeah. Um, but I still remember my first chair, she actually had a general board. So she was actually board certified both in diagnostic and in therapeutic. Mm. You don't see too much anymore. But yeah. there was a time when that was a subspecialty of radiology, but it's kind of grown in a different direction. Yeah, you're right. I mean, still kind of on the subject of medical oncology, you know, a lot of patients, obviously, when they get diagnosed with cancer, they um, are referred to medical oncology first, and then the medical oncologist will then, you know, uh, send the patient to a radiation oncologist. What do you think about that? Because I know that over the years, I've talked many times with, you know, other people about how we are oncologists too, which, uh, you know, going back to your point that you just made, we know everything when it comes to cancer. So, you know, having the medical oncologist, quote unquote, be the quarterback, I mean, it's a little, it's, I think it's hard and I, and I'm not sure I'm just curious to know what you think about that because I try to stress that and I've and I've mentioned it on this podcast as well that patients can be referred to radiation oncologists initially and we can get them where they need to go just as well as a medical oncologist can. I agree 100%. I I really wish that it wasn't um, a competitive type of arrangement that it was more a team approach because that's really ultimately what it ends up being. You need to have you know a group of people that are all really focused on your care. Uh, a radiation oncologist, you know, has a lot of different aspects um, that they can use to bring to bear. We oftentimes are more familiar with radionuclide therapy, which is a classic example of something that's very much in the armamentarium of medical oncologists. But since they themselves can't use it, you know, they don't think about it, kind of thing. Whereas we can. Most of the um, medical oncologists that I personally work with, we have a really great relationship, talk to each other all of the time. And I think that's really, really key, you know, as to who is, quote, the gatekeeper. You know, I think that's more um, a function of the insurance companies. And I really wish it wouldn't be. I really wish that it would you know, be allowed that, you know, you have a cancer diagnosis. You can see, you know, all specialties and make your decision from there. Perfect example of that is like in the management of prostate cancer. You know, if you get diagnosed with prostate cancer, you should be able to see a urologist and a radiation oncologist and a medical oncologist in order to make your decision. Same thing with breast cancer. You should be able to see all three specialties and that should just be part of your normal pattern. And it should be a cooperative relationship all focused on making the patient better. Correct. And I think there are times when it is cooperative and then other times where it has not been cooperative. So in your career, have you come across patients who maybe they initially saw the urologist or the surgeon and never saw a radiation oncologist? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've I actually I've had that happen quite frequently. And I remember one particular situation um, a long time ago in a different state where I had seen a patient who had been 
you know, diagnosed with a cutaneous lymphoma. And they were referred to a medical oncologist and, you know, proper consolidation would have been local radiotherapy in this very early disease. Patient was not referred. Patient recurred again. The dermatologist, you know, sent, said, you know, I don't know why the patient wasn't treated last time. Sent the patient directly to me. Got the patient treated. The medical oncologist saw that the patient was in my office, you know, talking to me and then, then called them and said, you know, well, I'd be glad to talk with you. And, you know, so this all gets, you know, reported back to me. And the patient's wife was so angry. It was one of these situations of, you know, why didn't he send us to you in the first place? And, you know, it was a very complicated political situation. I spent a long time talking to the patient and the family saying, you know, no harm was done here. You've gotten the proper therapy and we need to go ahead. But, you know, the political ramifications of personal conflict uh, that spill over into the patient realm are way more frequent than people would like to admit. And that's just not good for patient care. It's not good for the development of medicine. It's not good for anything. What do you think, I mean, in terms of that occurring, do you think that there's anything that we as radiation oncologists can do to maybe educate the public more about our our specialty, our field, our role in, you know, these different types of cancers? Well, you know, I think there's definitely a role to do that amongst the public. You know, asking people to really demand to be seen by all these specialists. But I also think that there's a role in education amongst the general medical community. And one of those things is, you know, um, for example, in internal medicine training, especially when people come through oncology, having an explanation about the different oncologic emergencies and how to recognize them and how to deal with them. That can make a huge difference, you know, going forward mm -hmm. in getting the other specialties to recognize, okay, well, we've got this, this is an emergency. How do we best handle that? Mm -hmm. Once we integrate that into the general medical education, then the general medical community becomes more aware of us. And I think that's going to have the most positive effect on patient care. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I think that would be, that would be great. A lot of times we are in the basement. <laughs> In the for hospitals. a reason. For a reason. <laughs> there is a good reason. You know, we're in the basement of the of the hospitals and you know, they're like for me, I'm in a freestanding center, so luckily I'm I'm not in the basement. But there's kind of been a I think, and correct me if, if you disagree with me, but I think some of the other specialists, medical specialists, think that we like to you know, play with our quote unquote toys meaning our technology. And there's a lot of things that we use. There's, I mean, I think, I guess radiology is the other specialty that uses a lot of technology, but we certainly do. But they're not toys. They're crucial tools that are needed to effectively treat our patients and, and treat them safely, accurately, precisely, all of that. And so what would you say has been maybe the biggest development in radiation oncology in terms of how we treat our patients? What has been the maybe the, the most um, innovative thing that has happened in our field? Well, in recent years, I would say image-guided radiotherapy. It has completely revolutionized what we've done. It's really made SBRT or SABRE, whatever name you want to call it, actually doable in the clinic. 
rather than this huge, complicated fiasco. The image-guided radiotherapy has, you know, taken what would be eight weeks of treatment for a prostate cancer, you know, and shortened that to four weeks or even five days, you know, if you really go to the extreme. You know, I think that's been the biggest round. And the really important thing about that is this has not changed the cure rate. The cure rates are the same. We know that. The complication rates are the same. We know that. But it has decreased the personal and financial costs that come through to the patient. You're getting the same high level of care. You have to come in a whole lot less often and everything works perfectly well. And that really is a testimony to our field being geared toward making sure that patients get what they need. Yes, exactly. And I think um, you bring up a good point about the financial and the financial toxicity that sometimes patients face when it comes to cancer treatment. And I think it is important to point out that we are always looking for ways to decrease the amount of radiation that we're given that we're giving. And we're also looking at, you know, are there certain populations of patients that maybe can forego the radiation um, and that they do well without it? So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really a a good point. And um, we've, yeah, we've made a lot of, a lot of breakthroughs. In your opinion, what has been the most rewarding in terms of practicing radiation oncology? Well, this is going to be a very personal answer for me because I've been program director for a very long time. And for me, you know, the, the most rewarding aspect of my practice is training future radiation oncologists and doing so in a way that they're compassionate to the patient, that they understand what's going on, that they have the tools to read the medical literature, to listen to what's going around in the field deciding what's real and deciding what's just marketing and keeping current and going forward. So for me, it's the training of the future generations that will come. That has much more impact because, you know, I treat a handful of patients, but the people that I train will treat 10 or hundred times more patients than I personally will. So giving people that same mindset to be able to go out, look for what's best for their patient focus on that, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And you've been training residents for a really long time. Yeah, really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you make it sound easy, but I know it, it's not easy. I mean, how do you, what do you say to the residents in terms of, you know, teaching them how to be a good oncologist? Because you can know the literature, you can quote statistics and and all of that and and regurgitate all of that but being a good oncologist requires a lot more than that um you're dealing with with people who are facing death you're dealing with people who are who are just they're going through something that they've never dealt with in, in before in their lives a lot of them some of them have bec- uh, in terms of the ones who have recurrent cancer but the ones who are newly diagnosed i mean what do you talk what do you tell your trainees what do you tell your residents in terms of how to interact with patients how to how to you know effectively kind of make those connections so that we kind of 
humanize it a little bit more, I think, instead of just saying, okay, well, you need this, you need that, and I'm going to, you know, start you on this and, and then walk out the door. It's very much a discussion. And I think the important thing, you know, is very much like training residents, when you are talking with a patient, you have to meet them where they are. And I'll give you the classic example that we that I, I deal with all the time. I spend a lot of time in generative urinary cancers. <clears throat> and so you have the situation in general urinary cancer with like intermediate risk prostate cancer, where a short course of medicine to take away testosterone, you know, has somewhat of a benefit in prolonging survival. But for some patients, you know, that's just unthinkable and they're just not going to do it. Well, this becomes a discussion. And then, you know, you explain to them, you know, what the benefits of doing this are. You explain to them the side effects of doing it, but ultimately it's their decision. You know, in some, you know, cancers like prostate cancer or breast cancer, there's so many choices and it takes time to go over that with patients and help them to understand what's going on so that they can choose of their own choice, the things that are important to them. In other cancers like glioblastoma, which is a, a severe tumor of the brain, there's not a lot of choices, you know we know what works best. I'm not going to make you do that, but we can say with great certainty, this is the treatment that will serve you the best. So you really have to base it upon where the patient is, what disease they have, and it becomes a dialogue, ultimately understanding that, you know, the patient is the captain. Mm -hmm. We're, we're just a harbor pilot. You know, the captain may bring a large ship into a harbor. They're not familiar with the harbor, so they bring a harbor pilot on board. The harbor pilot knows all the places in this harbor, and he can guide the captain. But ultimately, it's the captain's ship, not the harbor pilot's. Right. We're just a harbor pilot. Right. Exactly. I think that is key. And, um, you know, after having done this now for 17 years, I think I've certainly at this point have come to realize and learn that that is really important. And I think when you first start out as a, you know, first year uh, right out of residency, when you're early on in your career, no matter what specialty it is, but definitely I think when it comes to oncology and radiation oncology, you want everyone to follow your recommendations. You want everyone to get the treatment that you know it would help them. And you have to, I think, understand that human beings are going to make their own decision and you can't force them to do anything that they don't necessarily want to do. And I think initially for a lot of physicians that that's a that's difficult. I think it's very difficult. It, it's hard to understand. It's hard to get your your head wrapped around it. But I I know recently i've come to just be okay with that you know but it's it's really hard still at the same time because if you see someone you it's like you know too much as the physician you you know too much and so you know when someone's is refusing your treatment or your recommendations you kind of know what's going to potentially happen and so but you have to just kind of say you got to hold space in a sense for, for them 
and and recognize. It's kind of exactly what you said. You have to meet them where they are. You have to, you know, have that understanding that this is their their choice. It's their body, and they can do and whatever they want and make the decision that is right for them. It it has to be right for them. It's not about us. It's not about us as the physician, as the radiation oncologist. oncologist. It's about them. And I can imagine that that would be something that is obviously very important to communicate to trainees because you're going to encounter that your entire career. Absolutely. On the, on the side, I also work doing... Uh, healthcare ethics consulting at the hospital that I work at were often called in to mediate disputes between care teams or amongst family. And I think, you know, it, it, it's very important to remember that the patient is in control. You know, we'll often get a consultation when a patient disagrees, you know, they've been recommended for surgery or some other therapy and the patient says, I don't want that. And then the medical team's like, well, they're not competent to make a decision. They didn't agree with me. It's like, nope, they're perfectly competent to make a decision. They just don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. You know. And the more important thing is anytime that you cut off a dialogue with a patient, that cuts off your ability to change their mind over time. You know, that they may come around to seeing it. They may have to hear it a few times. But as long as you can say that, you know, and really get them to understand that you care very much what happens to them, and that regardless of their choice, you'll be there to take care of them. I think it really opens things up, and you'd be surprised at how many times people eventually end up coming around and understanding. I agree. How many years have you been practicing radiation oncology? I still haven't gotten it right. Uh, Let's see. So I started practicing radiation oncology in 1991. It's now 2022. So was that 31 years? Yeah, 31 years. Does that sound right? Um, yeah. Not Pretty a math scary. major. Not a math yeah. major, but yeah. <laughs> It'll um, be 31 years in June, but who's counting? Mm-hmm. What do you, at at this point, I have two questions, actually. We, we both have um, interacted with, lots and lots of people. What has been the most impactful in terms of your interaction with patients? What was, the, can you recall a time without going into obviously too many details that if you don't want to, but can you recall a time that something occurred that was, that really impacted you and has stayed with you and kind of, you know, was very, what shall I say, instrumental in, in becoming the physician that you are today? The the problem is there's so many different ones uh, in many different ways. You know, I, I can I can certainly give you examples, but I can't point to one say say that this one made the difference. Mm-hmm. But when you're open to things, you never know where the blessings are going to come from. And one right. of the like strangest stories, and this was even before I was a radiation oncologist, because I had done some internal medicine before. I, you know, I was the second year internal med- medicine resident on at the hospital. So I was in charge of being the supervisor to come by and see all the admissions. And I'm, I walk into the room and I introduce myself, you know, I'm Dr. Janelle. And the lady just stops me right there and says, Janelle, are you Clisby Janelle's son? I said, yes, ma'am. He's my father. So she goes rummaging through her purse, pulls out this picture and says, that's your father and my daughter. At the senior prom. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> okay. 
And then she goes, here, keep this. Okay. Wow. And so, you know, it's like, that's just kind of weird. Anyway, a while later, you know, I was down and was visiting with my father and I said, you know, I had this experience and I wanted to give, you know, this, this to you and, and take the story. So I told it and, and he gave me kind of the background to the story and the background to the story was that in high school, he was like big man on campus, you know, everybody, you know, wanted to be around him, very social, you know, uh, good guy. And this young lady, you know, they, she was always being the brunt of jokes and stuff. And there was a lot of speculation that she wouldn't get a date to the senior prom. So he had made it the point that not only would she be the first one to have a date, but that she'd be going with him. Mm. And I didn't know that when I was given the picture, but it's, you know, that's one of those things about, you know, how the things that you do, especially when you take care of people that are marginalized for whatever reason, right? those come back to impact in ways you can't possibly even begin to understand. Mm -hmm. Right. And cancer folk are very marginalized. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. Plenty of other stories, but that, you know, that that's one of the, the really good ones. That is a good one. That uh, That is. It speaks to how small this world really is. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. That's a great story. I have had, you know, a lot of people who have impacted me. One of the ones, though, was actually another fantastic attending, like yourself, who I... <laughs> <laughs> I love dropping compliments on you. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and it, it actually, it, it, he said something to me one time we were talking about when you're talking to patients and you're talking to them about radiation, never sugarcoat anything. Don't skip over anything. And, and he was specifically talking about the side effects from treatment. And because he said he did that early on when he was in training and a patient, he was talking about the side effects and kind of skipped over a few things and made it out like things weren't going to be quite as potentially as bad as, as, you know, and the patient developed a side effect that he didn't talk about or didn't go into a lot of detail about. And the patient was angry, very, very angry. And that has stuck with me all these years and not just about, you know, making sure to tell the patient all of the potential side effects of, you know, radiation therapy, which I do because I'd rather, again, talk to them about everything that could potentially happen, even if it's a less than, you know, 1% chance of it happening. But what it spoke to, I think, in addition to that was that you have to be honest, you have to be real, you have to communicate in a way that you're not telling the patient something that's false, even if it's difficult, even if it's bad news. And so that's, that has really, like I said, that's really stuck with me. And I've kind of, I've tried to practice medicine in that way and, you know, be honest, be empathetic, not sugarcoat anything, not give false hope but be real, but you can, and you can do that. You can do all of that. You can be real and authentic and honest and still be caring 
and communicate that to to your patients. But so that's that's just my story. It wasn't actually a, a patient, but it was actually like I said, somebody like you who was you know teaching me mm, back then. So. Well, it seems to be have worked very well for you. I, I think the Thank biggest you. thing too is, you know, is to be honest. Mm-hmm. Don't make false promises. Right. But always let the patient know that you're going to be there for them. Right. You know, you there's always something that you can do, but maybe that something's only holding a hand and listening to them talk. But right. you're never going to give up on them. You're never going to stop seeing them. You know, it's that you're you're in this together. May not be able to fix everything but we're going to do the best we can. Exactly. And I think that's what kind of drew me to oncology and radiation oncology, because I think, you know, I've had lots of people ask me, well, why did you choose this field? Why didn't you do something that's a little bit happier? Like, why didn't you go into OBGYN or something like that? And, you know, it's just... I mean, I, what I do every day is just really rewarding. And when you can see that, I mean, really, really see that you are helping people, it's, it's just, it's amazing. So it keeps me going. That's for sure. When things get a little tough, it definitely keeps me going. So, all right. I have one last question for you. Yes, ma'am. What would you like to, I think, communicate to people who are, who have been diagnosed with cancer? What's what's something that you wish that every patient knew? Yeah, I think if I had to pick one thing, I would say don't be afraid of the radiation. I think many of them come to us with fears, um, maybe ones they don't completely understand. I think they are much more terrified of radiation than they are of surgery or chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that they wouldn't have that fear. You know, the the radiation is oftentimes extremely effective and right. many times is nowhere near as as bad as they thought it would be. Uh, it can be quite a blessing. You know, and I wish that they would see it as healing with light instead of healing with radiation. They would be less you know, uh, aversion to it if you're going for light therapy. Which, in fact, we are just very high energy form of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish that it could be seen in that way rather than rather than the negative way that it's seen. But that I think will come around with time. It just it's a matter of just changing people's perceptions and perspective. I agree with you, uh, and I. That's one of the things that I try to make a point of saying to every patient that you know when you come in and when you're on the table, you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel the radiation. We're not going to stick you with needles. You know, we're not going to do things like that to you. You're not going to be in pain, you know, as the radiation is entering your body. It's not going to hurt you. So, but yeah. Well, I think that's great. I think that's um fabulous and I have so enjoyed talking to you. It's been We've great known each talking other. with you. Oh, we've yeah. known each other forever. <laughs> we've known each other for a long time. But you know what? Yeah. I, I don't think we've talked in this way before. And like I said, I don't I didn't know the the beginning story of of how you got to radiation <laughs> oncology. So I think this has been great. And and really I think it's gonna be good in terms of people being able to hear us talk about radiation and, and like I said, I wanted to get someone else's perspective and um because it it brought to light some of the some of the things that, you know, you have seen in your career and what's been important to you and what's important about radiation oncology and it's just it's a different perspective. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. 
thank you for having me. I'm going to have to start my own podcast, and then I'll have you. You are. You are. <laughs> I, I'm, and <laughs> I will be your teacher then. <laughs> I'll yes. tell you everything well, you've been I, my I know. you my teacher in many things. So. <laughs> tell you everything I know. So thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you again. Well, I can't wait to see you either. And yet everybody has to know how excessively proud I am of you and all the things that you've done. You, you've succeeded in a world that's completely stacked up against you. And I hold you out as one of my shining examples of how far you can go. So mm, very happy you to so know much. you. Well, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I am so happy that Dr. Janelle agreed to come on the show, and I hope that gives you a little bit of perspective, aside from mine, when it comes to radiation oncology and a perspective on what it means for us to be able to be in this wonderful specialty and connect with so many wonderful people. It's not to say that it doesn't have its challenges, but I think I can speak for Dr. Janelle when I say that the two of us, I don't think we would, we could imagine doing anything else. All right. Well, if you'd like to know more information about radiation oncology or cancer in general, please check out my website, www.centerpointoncology.com. And until next time, be well. Thank you for listening to the Cancer from A to Z podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you subscribed and left a review. And if you know anyone who could benefit from this information, please share the podcast with them. Until next time, I am your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell.